0: we're in 1st Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to start breaking it down. It says wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right, and do not give way to fear." Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, for many years, preachers have been afraid of teaching on this passage, to be really honest with you, because they have met resistance and people saying, I just don't like that. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. And we live in a different world today. And, and what I want to do, though, is, is, is also point out to you that whenever I, I've been preaching now for almost 25 years, uh, and whenever you teach on a passage like this, there's always a knee jerk reaction that says, Well, don't forget the men. But I want to point out to you in this passage that as much as Peter does deal with the men, he's not comparing the instructions to wives tied in with the men. He's comparing the instructions given to the wives as tied in with Jesus. So I want us to take a look at the beginning of this passage. See how it says, wives, in the same way... Be submissive to your husbands. For him to say in the same way, it had to be tied to something prior to what he's written here. So what has he just written? So let's go back. Alright, let's go back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verses 18 to the end of chapter. He said, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps." He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way... Be submissive to your husband. So when he says wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband, in the same way, same way as who? In the same way as Jesus submitted himself to the authority of men. Remember, we've already seen last week when we looked at, submit yourself to every authority of God that, that's of men. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he submitted himself. Did he have the right and the power to not submit? Of course he did. But at the same time, for the God's purposes. And I want to remind you of some of these words that we have been looking at uh, in our study here. Uh, Don't forget that it's because of Jesus' example. And it says here, verse 13 of chapter 2, For the Lord's sake. Verse 15, For God's will, for it is God's will. And we say in verse 19, Because he is conscious of God. Verse 20, at the end of verse 20, this is commendable before God. Verse 21, to this you were called. Keep in mind that all of these instructions that we're going to be dealing with tonight, and we're going to be diving into... The problem that we have with these passages. Uh, We're going to be going into scriptural reasons for why people today don't want to hear wives submit to your husbands. And we're going to deal with how it's been abused and mistaught over the years. We're going to go back to where it all comes from, why you struggle with it, why men have felt that they had to become domineering and wives, the Bible says submit and you must submit. We're going to deal with all of that tonight. But before we go there, we have to lay the foundation again that we've been dealing with. Everything that God instructs us to do, everything that God commands us to do, every instruction we have from God is for our good. And you've got to lock that in your in your minds. And you, even though you may not understand as you're going through it, why it is not always comfortable to be obedient to God. Jesus understands full well, but he submitted to the Father. And we should, because of Him, live our lives in the same way. Do you understand what I'm saying? So tonight, as we do this study, lay down, as best you can, your flesh that says, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> because if you're willing to let the words sink in, you will find that God's design is awesome. It is awesome. Alright? Now, let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And let's look a little bit more closely at Jesus' example. Because if he's saying wives in the same way, let's take a look at in the same way. In what way was Jesus? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It's pretty clear here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 that what it's saying is, is your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, <clears throat> excuse me, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, think about this saying here. Not only did he humble himself, He became obedient all the way to death. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't just any death. It was the most horrific, humiliating death anybody could experience. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And let me just real quickly remind you, last week we were dealing with what makes a Christian a Christian, because there are those who claim to be Christian but aren't Christian. The definition of what makes a Christian a Christian is someone that believes that Jesus is God, and that he died for our sins, and that he rose from the dead, and we have Trusted him by faith. But remember, there are those who claim to be Christian who believe Jesus is a son of God, a, an emanation from God, but not God himself. Look closely here. It says in verse 6, he was in very nature God. He is, was God himself. And not only that, the Bible says that he's going to have everybody bow down to Jesus. Why? Well, because He's God. Doesn't the Ten Commandments say you shall not bow down to anyone else but God Himself? You'll have no other gods before Me. Therefore, if God is saying bow down to Jesus, guess what? He's God. And so we need to just kind of lock that in our head. But Jesus, who was God, humbled Himself and He fulfilled a role. That's important. He fulfilled a role that was chosen for Him before the creation of the world. And don't we thank God that He did? And we're going to be getting into now as we look at this passage in 1 Peter, the fact that the Bible teaches that God has designed roles for all of us. That all of us, how many of you had a say whether well, not you can be born male or female? Right? You didn't have a say. This was chosen by God for you. And he has a role that he wants you to fulfill. And with that come instructions from God as to how to live this life. So. Wives, in the same way as Jesus did, submit yourselves to your husbands. Oh, by the way, did you catch this? Whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. It doesn't say. It's, yep. Submit in the same way, because the slaves were told to submit to their masters whether good or bad, in the same way that Jesus submitted. And oh, by the way, were the people that He submitted Himself to good or bad? Bad. Bad. But he submitted himself, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. Now, we have to deal with something real quick and then we're going to go into a passage in Ephesians that deals with this as well. I want to lay this out as well. When we talk about submission, the word translated submission or submit is a voluntary submission. It is not to be forced. It can never be forced. It's the Greek word hypotasso, which means a voluntary submission due to respect for God's design of authority, if you will. I'll just quote a verse for you. I don't want you to take time to turn there. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, God tells through Paul the church, this is what he says, he says, oh, sorry, he says, submit yourself to your leaders and hold them in high regard because of their work. Respect those who are over you in the Lord, he says, and hold them in high regard because of their work. And here, instructing the church to dare submit to the ones that God has put as overseers, the elders, the pastors, whatever term you want to use, that we are to submit ourselves to them. Why? Because of the position God gave them. It's a voluntary submission, but it's in regard or in understanding or being conscious of God's design for authority in the church, and we're respecting them. I preached on this passage in New Orleans a little bit ago. It's been almost a year, year and a half, I guess now. When I finished preaching on this, a man came up to me afterwards and said, Respect is earned. And I actually sat him down in the foyer of the church, and I said, You need to have a seat right here. He said, Why? I said, Because I've got to preach this sermon again. You didn't hear it. <laughs> It doesn't say here in this passage, respect him when he earns it. It says respect him because of the position God gave him. You're submitting yourself to him, but your eyes are on God. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands voluntarily, but only because of God's design because of God's design and the attitude that He wants us to have. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at verses 22 through 24. Now whenever you do a study on this type of stuff, and in our format it's really hard to do discussion uh, because of the recordings as well that are online, but at the same time there's always... Well, what about this? sir? what about this scenario? What about this kind of a manner? what if he's beating me? And what if he's doing this? And all this kind of stuff. And for the sake of our time, let me just say to you, we are to submit ourselves because God said so. So if ultimately we are listening to the Holy Spirit and God Himself within us who is instructing us through His Word, when it comes to your specific situation, I'm, the shortest answer I can give you is, what is God telling you? Stop looking to man to keep finding the, the loopholes. Or the legalist, how close can I get to full obedience to God without having to be fully obedient to God? Whatever God's telling you that lines up with His Word, do it. We keep saying, well, what about this guy? Or what about that kind of a guy? God will lead you and show you how it's to be. But let's start with what it says. We're to submit ourselves because of God's design. Here in Ephesians 5, verses 22, 23, and 24, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, His body of which He is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now again, these are passages that in our day and age, we just don't hear preached on, and women today don't want to hear. For a couple of reasons. One, because of the fact that it has been used as a weapon against them over the years. I actually have a, have a book uh, that I, I was going to bring, but I just didn't have the time to, to, to do that. And I was going to show it to you. And, and the title of the book, it was written a long, long time ago. The title of the, the, the book is Bobbed Hair, um, Bossy Wives and Women Preachers. And let me just tell you, if you want a good laugh, it's funny to read. It doesn't line up with the Scriptures at all. But the man who wrote that book, actually tried to use Scripture to teach an authoritarian women to just do whatever men say. And that's not what the Bible is teaching here, folks. Remember, this is a voluntary submission. So any man that tries to take what I'm teaching here tonight as a weapon against his wife, you better stick around until we get to verse 7. All right? because you're going to find that what Peter told the men in verse 7 went so counterculture to what was going on in that day. It was shocking and radical what he told them in verse 7. And hopefully in the time we have tonight we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll get to 25 when we get to 7. It, exactly. It will be easier for the wives when the husband is doing what he's supposed to do. But here's what I want to say though as well. Even if your husband's not doing verse 25 here. That doesn't mean that you don't have to do verses 22 through 24. We are to be doing what God says, even if our partner is not fulfilling his end of the bargain. Alright? So let's just keep that in our minds. Submission is voluntary, not forced. Now, um, where has this struggle come from? I want you to go with me back to Genesis chapter 3. Because I don't... (laughs) <laughs> in the beginning yeah actually genesis chapter 3 what I want you to understand here is this i want to show you ladies who are struggling with this cuz there's just something in our flesh that says i don't like this i'm going to show you where this struggle comes from all right i want you to be fair i want to be fair to you and have you understand that your struggle here is a spiritual battle that can be traced all the way back to the fall of man in the garden all right listen to what it says here in genesis chapter 3 Verses 6-19. through It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. You may not have ever realized that, but when Eve ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from, Adam was standing right there. And he definitely didn't stop her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened And they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called out to the man, where are you? It's interesting, he calls out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit. Isn't that interesting? He's just prior, when she's been created out of his rib, he pretty much breaks into song and says, now we're talking. All right. How you can translate what he was saying is like wow, that's awesome. But all of a sudden it was like I was fine until you gave her, you know. And all of a sudden it's not his fault; it's God's fault. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The woman you gave me is her fault, is what he says. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is this that you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent deceived me; not my fault, and, and I ate." So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. It appears that snakes actually had legs prior to this. Alright? And, and they talked. We've we got to be honest with the fact that, that he wasn't freaked out by a talking animal. There's a strong chance that way back in God's design, animals could talk. We don't know a whole lot more than that, but it appears that way. We know that Balaam's donkey was able to speak when God gave it the ability to do so. You know, But look at verse 15 though. And I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, which now tells Satan that there's an individual offspring of Eve. He do not know who it is at this time. He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. Now to the woman He said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And then he goes on to Adam and says, because you've, what you've done, the, the ground's cursed and it's going to make you have to work hard the rest of your life. But I want to deal with what he says to the woman here. Because a lot of us read that word desire and that mean, we think it means that she's going to be sexually attracted to you now. Listen to me. Um, she was already sexually attracted to Adam. It had already been told, be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't saying to her, now you'll be sexually attracted to her. This word desire if you find the Hebrew word and what it really means, will unlock something here. So the best way I can explain to you what this word desire means is to take you to Genesis 4 and look at um, verses 6 and 7. This is where Cain is upset with his brother Abel. God comes to him and says to Cain in verse 6, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now we know full well what the desire means here. By the way, they're the exact same word. It desires to control you. Sin is crouching at your door. It is not sexually attracted to you. It is wanting to domineer and to control you. And one of the causes, if you will, or curses or effects of the fall was that God said, I had designed originally the man to lead and the woman to follow. Now, again, we will get to later on in this Peter passage, this has nothing to do with equality. In God's eyes, men and women are equal. They have different roles. Remember, Jesus, who was God, followed the role that the Father had set for Him. He fulfilled the role, and He submitted to the role that He had been given. And there's roles that God has designed. And unfortunately, they switched places. Eve took the lead. Adam submitted to his wife. And God says, you know what, because you've done this... There's going to be the battle of the sexes from now on. The woman is going to want to control the husband. Now, ladies, I'm just going to be nice, but I'm going to be honest. It's in you right now because of your flesh. And partially because you're right. Now, guys, I hate to you know, give, give, give something away that we never wanted to tell women. But most of the time, when you nag us, you're probably right. You see things that need to be taken care of, things that need to be done, and it is in your nature to say, this is how it ought to be. And you would love to be in control. And what does man think he has to do to get back into the position that God has given him? Squash, Squash like bug. Squash like bug. <laughs> and that's why it says in here, and he will rule over you, and some translations put it, dominate you. And we now... You go up on the roof, yeah, and hide in Proverbs, yeah. But listen to what I'm saying here. And I'm just going to give you a little hint, ladies. First of all, God's Word tells you not to be that nagging, dripping faucet. But at the same time, there's something within us men that even though you're right, and we know you're right, if we now do it, we will be positively reinforcing this behavior. Let me just tell you, and I have a godly, godly wife who understands her role, and I have watched her bite her tongue and go to her father to pray that he would help me see the things that she already sees that I'm oblivious to. And I am telling you, there's power in that. When I know that my wife has just bit her tongue and said, Lord, you change his heart on that, I can't fight him. I can't dominate Him. And it's powerful. And I can tell you story upon story about, God, about godly women who were faithful to what God had asked them to be, even though their flesh said, I want to be in control. But they submitted, and they left it to the Father who judges justly, and He made the change in the husbands. And it's dramatic and powerful and lasting and real. is your struggle that you have of wanting to be in charge goes all the way back to the garden. And that's why those, and I'm going to say it nicely, jerks out there who teach that the men are supposed to domineer and get charge of their houses, that's actually a sign of the fall. That's of the curse. That's not how God teaches husbands to be. And any preacher or teacher that says that the man should rule his home is not using the Scripture correctly. And so I want you to understand that as we deal with women right now, wives... You're going to have to fight your flesh every single day in this area. And you're going to have to submit yourself to God. And oh, by the way, watch what He's able to do when you stop thinking that He can't get it done without you. Alright? That's, That's why men invented the GPS? You have to tell me with that one. Why is that? So that they wouldn't I'm have to sit to, to stop the, stop the wife her. say, <laughs> Stop for <her> an <after> <laughs> Yeah, okay, but... <laughs> But at the same time, why, if, they, if that's the case, if, if men invented the GPS and they went after their wives to ask for directions to stop and ask for directions, why did they make the lady's voice the one that's talking to us on the GPS? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> you select the voice. <laughs> 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 Let's go back to First Peter before Duke derails us anymore. All right. Go back to First Peter. I want to deal with verses three and four. Because this is a passage that has been mistaught for a long time too and has been used to teach a form of dress for women that has never been God's instruction and command. Uh, And look at what he says here in verses 3 and 4. Speaking to wives... He says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now... (laughs) These verses have been used to say over the years that women can't fix their hair or wear gold jewelry. And there are those who take this passage, and they, and they usually are coming from the King James translation. Now listen closely. This is the ironic part. And you can double-check me on this. Our translation here says fine clothing. But the King James translation says the wearing of apparel. Alright? Alright, listen closely. The and say a woman can't braid her hair, she can't wear gold in her hair or wear jewelry, should have, if they were going to be faithful to the text, say she, couldn't, she can't wear clothes. Where is that church? Yeah, where, where is that church? Yeah, there. Are unfortunately those churches too, but we're not going there. But what I want you to hear is this. The passage is not saying that you can't fix yourself up and look nice. It's saying that your beauty should not come from how you dress. Your beauty, and I'll get right to you Allison. Your beauty should come from the inner beauty of someone who has learned that your God is in control and that you are at peace and at rest and you're quiet and submissive because of God. Not because you're a downtrodden, beat up, you know, i just got to walk ten steps behind my husband and that's my lot in life. And you're No, no, no. You're at peace with the fact that your God is going to be faithful to do what He said He would do and every instruction He gives you is best and you submit, but you don't do it with a downturned face, but you do it with a joy and with a peace. Allison, go ahead. NAS says, and let not your adornment be merely Exactly. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. Now the Bible says that you should not dress in such a way that you say, look at me when you show up at church. You know, And we could take the time to deal with all that stuff, but that's not the purpose of why we're here tonight. I just want to break this passage down and help you see, if someone ever says, hey, the Bible says women aren't supposed to wear gold jewelry. No, it doesn't say that. If you're going to take and interpret it that way, you've got you to gotta say that it means that they can't wear clothes either, and that's not what it's saying. It's just saying that your beauty should come from within. And and again, I can't help it. I've been blessed with the best wife in the world. All y'all are awesome, but you're like secondary compared to mine. And I'm not kidding you. As I did. I tell people I outkicked my coverage. But here's the thing. Uh, men know that. They understand. What, what I want you to understand is this. As beautiful as Becky is, and I'm serious about this, I noticed her inner beauty first. I really did. I noticed her inner beauty first. And that's what attracted me to her. The fact that she was easy on the eyes didn't hurt either. (laughs) But it's the inner beauty. And this is what God is saying to you women, that He wants to cultivate. He wants to cultivate this. And one of the first things you need to understand is, is that God's given you a role Alright? Your beauty should come from a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, let me just say, let's go to verses 5 and 6. Let's just, I, I want to just kind of, we'll go somewhere else. I was going to do something, but time-wise we need to keep moving. Let's go to verses 5 and 6. Now, I'm just going to say this. <laughs> the way in which you never hear anybody teach on these next two verses... It's almost like these verses have been left out of most Bibles today. I'd, I'd, be hard press, I'd be surprised if anybody were to come to me afterwards and say, I've heard someone teach on this passage. In a room this size with this many people, there probably won't be more than one or two who have ever heard anybody preach on these verses right here. Listen to what it says in verses 5 and 6. And ladies, you've been good so far. Keep fighting your flesh. Alright? It says, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Remember, it was their inner beauty. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Some of your translations say, Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right, and do not give way to fear. Now, if you double, want to double-check this passage, you don't turn there now, but you go look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. Sarah does call Abraham her master. She calls him her Lord. But hopefully you do understand. That doesn't mean he was her boss. Because if you think that it meant he was her boss, you never read Genesis 16. Remember Genesis 18 is where she says, He's my master. But in Genesis 16, it was her idea to sleep with Hagar. So I'm going to be heading somewhere when we get to the men. But for now, ladies, please keep in mind, when we talk about submission, we're not talking that you have no input. We're not talking that you aren't valued equally in the eyes of God. You have a role. But it does not mean that you are second fiddle. It doesn't mean that, that whatever the husband says goes. You have value. And I'll be honest with you, most of the time, if not all the time, that my wife says to me in love, Hey Jim, could we talk about something? I know I'm about to hear from God. But she also knows when and how. I'm just going to just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Years ago, when our kids were little, and they were disobedient because they're perfect now. But when our kids were little and disobedient, there was a time I came home from being, pa- I was pastor first in the Atlantic. And Nicole had done something, and I don't remember even now what it was. And I'm like, and you, you men know what I'm talking about. You know, you've been working all day and you come home and the first thing you've got to do is be referee. I wasn't in the mood to be referee that day, and I heard what Nicole had done, and I just made an edict. I think it was like, go to your room and you can't come out for a year. (laughs) And Nicole in tears said, that's not fair! Mom, tell him that's not fair! And Becky's response that day is stuck in my brain. It's been ten years, easily. She said, he's your father. You do what he says. Nicole stormed off to her room. Becky then, out of Nicole's earshot, says... Can I talk to you in the bedroom? We go in the bedroom and she says, agreed. What she did was wrong, but you overreacted and you didn't know the whole story. Let me tell you the whole story. Upon hearing the whole story, I knew now it was my job as the husband to go back and talk to Nicole. And I went back and I said, Nicole, it was my fault to react the way I did. You know, your mom and I have talked and she was right. And she helped me see something. And I now am coming to you and saying, you don't have to be in your room for a year. It's only six months now. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is, is she understood the role that she had been given and the role that I had been given. And she didn't let the kids play us. Our kids learned a long time ago when they were little. Because God blessed me by being pastor years before I ever was a father. So I learned a lot of things watching other people raise their children. That By the time ours came around, I was ready, as much as you can be. And we taught our kids early, whenever they ask us for something, our first question is going to be, have you already asked your mother or have you already asked your father? And they knew full well, if the answer was yes, they were in trouble. Because we didn't want them playing us. If, they, if we said, have you asked your mother? And they said no, then we would answer If they said yes, we would always say, what did they say? And if the answer was no, they were really in trouble. We knew that they had gotten a no, but we're trying to get a yes from the other parent. And we learned how to work as a team. But my wife knew that in front of the daughter, she was not going to take the headship. But in private, she was willing to speak to me. And I understood that I was hearing from God and that she was right. And I didn't do that, well, I'm the man, and that's the decision I made. I humbled myself and went and told Nicole, here's the change of the discipline. And folks, I want you to understand, as we deal with this, please do not hear that you are a second person in the kingdom. Uh-uh. You have a role and you have a very, very important role. I want you to embrace your role. I want you to understand this is what God has created me for. He made me a woman. He made me a wife. I have been blessed to be in this place. But if you keep thinking, I want to be the head, you're really actually going all the way back to the garden and still fighting that same fight. Yes, sir. Go ahead. In verse 5, it says, they adorn themselves. Is this internal or external? Oh, actually, it's an internal that manifests itself externally. Do you know what I'm saying? They adorn themselves with their inner beauty. Actually, they focus, and, 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 and let me just put it to you this way. You know how women are very good at spending a lot of time on their outer beauty and they focus on it and they sometimes obsess over it? He's saying here they put their attention to their inner beauty. It goes on to say that they adorn themselves. Yes, that is how it manifested itself outwardly. You understand what I'm saying? They focused on the inner attitude, the quietness, the gentleness of spirit. They submitted to their husbands, and it manifested itself as an outward beauty because of the inward beauty. You understand what I'm saying? This is what it's talking about here. Now, he also says here in verse 6, don't give way to fear. And I want to take some time to deal with that. I mean, what what does Peter mean when he says to the wives, and don't give way to fear? Remember, we're to submit ourselves because of God's plan and design, and our flesh is afraid of a seeming lack of control. But even as we submit to the governing authorities, our masters or our husbands, we must keep in mind that God is ultimately in control, and He is watching, and He cares for us. When the wave of fear in obeying God comes over us, don't give way to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes it's scary to do what God says. Can you imagine... How scary it must have been for the nation of Israel to uh, walk around the walls of Jericho and then just shout. And God said, Oh, by the way, the walls are just going to fall down. Are you serious? That's crazy. Don't give way to fear. God's asked you to submit to your. Well, if I do that, he, he could make a decision. Don't give way to fear. But if I do that, then I might be stuck in this. But don't give way to fear. Don't give way to fear, because the one who is ultimately in control, he knows and he's watching. And nothing will happen to you, listen to me, I'm going to say it again, nothing will happen to you outside of his control. Even if you have a jerk for a husband, nothing will happen to you outside of his control. You're a child of the king. Yes, go ahead, Allison. It's really what it does mean, is when we don't trust God. And to be honest, we all have that. We all have waves of that fear. And he just says, don't give way to it. He doesn't say, you're not going to be afraid. He just says, don't give way to it. Don't give way to it. All right, let's get to the husbands. Let's get to the husbands. we got 20 minutes for the husbands. And if we need more time next week, we'll pick them up next week. Look at what it says though here in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way. Isn't that interesting? Now, how, is, how are the husbands to be in the same way when we're not to submit to our wives? Actually, the Bible does say in Ephesians we're to submit to each other. But why, why is it that we are told that this is in the same way? And here's what it is. God has a role for men too. And listen to me, men. When you find out what your role is, it's going to go against your flesh too. It's going to go against everything in you and how you're wired and how you've been because of the fall living for all these years. In the same way, you need to submit yourself to God and His plan for what a real husband is supposed to be. And um, be ready. It won't be as easy as you think. You see, it says here that men husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers now in the way that we like to compare things we'd say well the ver- the wives got like six verses the husband only got one let me just tell you you're about to find out there is so much in this one verse it's going to blow your mind all right Men need to fight their flesh as well and treat their wives with respect and kindness, remembering that women are weaker physically, not using their advantage against them. This is what it's talking about here when it says the weaker partner. It's not talking weaker emotionally. It's not talking weaker spiritually. It's not talking weaker mentally. It is just talking a simple physical fact. Men are stronger than women. And you, you want proof of how this has been abused? Think of all the women and all the wives and all the girlfriends that have been abused and battered over the years. Because the man, or the boyfriend, or whatever, his way of getting control of the situation, his way of getting her to submit, was to use his physical superiority. And folks, let me just say that right now. I don't know who's out there listening right now on mine to this. But if you're a child of God... And you are hitting your wife. It is a major, major sin in the eyes of God. You should never, ever, ever lay a hand on her unless it's in a gentle and considerate and kind way. We've taught our girls, as we prepare them for dating and marriage, if he has a temper, get out of the relationship immediately. Immediately. If he has a temper, get out of the relationship immediately. Now listen, some of you are saying, I'm married to a guy that has a temper. I'm not saying you're going to get out of your relationship because the Bible says you're to stay married. But let me just tell you, man, if you are in this room right now and you're listening to me and you struggle with your temper, you have a tendency to swing. God says to men, you need to treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner. Keep in mind, yeah, you've got a physical advantage, but it's no advantage. Especially if you don't understand that God wants you to treat her with respect. It also says, be considerate. And that means to intentionally consider their desires and partnership in the relationship God has given you. Listen closely to what it's saying here. It says, husband, be considerate with your wives. It it means that you are to actually consider, intentionally consider, not like, "Oh, I never thought about that. No, you need to actually go out of your way to consider what is best for your wife. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I wish I could tell you that I am as good at what it means to be a husband as Becky understands what it means to be a wife. I wish she could get up here and say, oh, Jim is perfect in this area, but she'd be lying. Fighting my flesh in this area is hard as well. I still think I'm pretty good. but No, I'm just... But, but, You're super. Thank you, I appreciate that. And, but I also know the struggle that I have. See, one of the things I've learned over the years is trying to learn my wife's love languages. If you've never read that book on the five love languages, get it. It'll help you a lot. But let me just tell you, my wife doesn't speak the same language as me when it comes to love and demonstrating love. My my wife's two love languages are acts of service, which means helping her with stuff around the house, and quality time. Mine are physical touch and words of affirmation. We don't even speak the same two languages, It's like a guy that speaks French and a lady that speaks German in the same house and we haven't learned each other's language. There's going to be a problem. The Bible says that I'm to learn her language. And let me just tell you, it is not natural for me to help out with things around the house. I have to consider those things and work at it. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I do help with things around the house, I hope I get points. And my wife even told me one time. She said, Jim, I don't want you doing these things just so you'll get points. I want you doing them because you want to. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Never <laughs> no. we got a big God. Can't say it'll never happen. <coughs> yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Another thing. the N.A.S. says, uh, live with your wife in an understanding way and grant her honor as a fellow heir. Yes. It also means in your speech. It's not just physical abuse yes. that can happen. Oh yes, the verbal abuse is definitely right up there equally with the, with the physical abuse. That's correct. I'm glad you brought that out. So guys, I'm just going to tell you right now. As hard as it is for the women to put themselves in the submissive role when her, their flesh wants to say, well this is how it should be. I think it's even harder for men to be considerate. And to honestly say, what would be best for my wife as the partner? And I can wait, as you just hear, Allison, to honor her as well. And that's going to be a daily struggle. But remember, as much as Jesus submitted himself to the role that God had given him, we men need to do the same thing. He also says, live with your wives. And in, in the English translation, you really can't see the depth of what is being said here. But in the Greek, it's saying, keep living with her. In other words, stay with her. Be committed to her. Don't get divorced is what it's saying. You can't read that in the English, but in the Greek, that's what it's saying. Keep living with her. But he also says that they're what? That our wives are heirs with you of God's gracious gift of life. Again, even though women are weaker physically, they're not weaker emotionally or intellectually, and are equal in the eyes of God when it comes to salvation. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. We'll look at verses 26, 27, 28, and 29. Galatians 3 26 through 29. It says, Now you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, look closely what Paul's saying here. This passage has been used to teach that there's no such thing as roles for men and women anymore. That's not what this passage is saying. How I can prove it to you is uh, if someone becomes a Christian, are they still Jewish? Yes. If they were Greek before they got saved, are they still Greek? Yes. They don't stop being Greek. You're still a man. You're still male. You're still female. You're, if you are a slave when you got saved, you're still a slave. If you were free when you got saved, you're still free. It's not saying that all of a sudden that means you have no more roles. No, no, no. That's not what it's saying. It's just simply saying that in the eyes of God, He doesn't like like the free people more than the slaves or, or the men more than the women. In the eyes of God, you're all equal. It's the same when it comes to coming to the cross. And you are heir, heir, co-heirs, equal heirs. We may have roles in this life for God's purposes, but when we get there, remember how the Bible says, and this is hard for some of us to understand, in, ma- in heaven there is no giving in marriage. There is no husband and wife relationship. That's hard for us to grasp sometimes. But in heaven we're equal. And I don't know how it all plays out, but it appears that the roles we had down here we won't have up there. So I just want you to understand, please don't read because you think, well, I think the man's got the better job or the better role than No, 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 don't think that way at all because the Bible says you're co-heirs and you're equal in the eyes of God. But go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 chapter 3 and look at something that was said that I really want you to see. At the end of verse 7 it says that we are to treat these women with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with us of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now I'm going to ask you an honest question. Who was this written to? Was this written to men and women? Or was this written to men? It's only written to the men. In the context here, this is not tied to the women. In the context here, so that nothing will hinder your prayers is written to the men. And I've double-checked it. I've researched it. I've called some of my research guys and said, am I reading this right? They looked at the structure and they said, yep, you're right. This is only written to the men. Men, listen to me. You might think it's not that big of a deal that you've been the husband you're supposed to be. But God sees it as a big enough deal that if you're not the husband you're supposed to be, it's actually hindering your prayer life and your relationship with the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. But it's kind of like this God has clearly given us as men, as husbands, a responsibility to lead in a godly way. Actually, back in Ephesians, go there real quick, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read those verses that were pointed out. Verses 25 and following. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. For this reason, a man will leave his father father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. He says, Husbands, you're to love your wives in the same way in which Christ loves the church. And oh, by the way, not only did Jesus die for the church, He is focused on the church. He loves the church. He is intimately involved in the life of the church. He considers the church all the time. That is His passion. Husbands, you need to be having that same attitude towards your wives. And if you don't, don't think that God's going to be as in much a hurry to answer your prayers. See, it goes kind of like this. Hey Lord, here's what I'd like. Could you do this for me? Here's my prayer request. And God says, alright, um, can I ask you a question? Uh, did you do what I asked you to do? I mean you want me to do something for you. Did you do what I asked you to do? No. But it's hard. I know, but here you are asking me to do something for you, and you've not been willing to do what I asked you to do. It affects our prayer life. Now trust me, as I as I sit here tonight, I sure wish I could say, man, I feel good. I know. How God's convicting me as well. So don't beat yourself up though. Why don't we have the attitude that says, "All right, Lord, let's go from here. Don't, you don't have to try to make everything up tonight because that's not how God wants it to be. I have a tendency to be that way too. I've been real bad as a husband. I'll tell you what I would do. I might have one big event. I might even get candles <laughs> or flowers. Wives, I don't need you to answer this. But wouldn't you rather him do little things every day than one big thing once a month? We were hoping you'd say no. <laughs> so, uh, men, submit yourself to the role that God has given you, and He's given you a role to be a caretaker, considerate, respectful, honoring of your wife. That means that you're not thinking of yourself first. You're thinking of her first. Oh, and by the way, there have been times that I've been pretty good at this. And Becky's awesome at it. And let me just tell you, without going too far, when men and women are fulfilling the role God has for them, it's very, very good. It's way good. Make you red in the face, good. So for tonight, we'll just stop here and just let the Spirit of God begin to let His truth sink into our heart. And He knew we were going to be here tonight. He knew He was going to be here tonight. He knew that some of us might not have been the best at what we're reading tonight. And He's not mad. He's patient. His mercies are new every morning. And I just want to challenge you To be willing to submit yourself to God's design. We can sit here and talk about submitting ourselves to the authority of man. Why don't we first submit ourselves to the authority of God and let it start in our homes? I've come to realize over 20-something years of being a pastor that when stuff started erupting in the church, the real problem wasn't what was going on in the church. It was really what was going on in the home. And it started to manifest itself in the church. When people who were normally... Easygoing, wonderful, you know, what I call low-maintenance folks in the church who all of a sudden became high-maintenance. When I was young, I used to think, how can I fix the problem? How can I solve their issue? As I matured and saw enough, I came to realize it was a red flag to me that when people who normally weren't complainers started complaining that something was actually going on in the home. God's design is that all of this starts here. Isn't that what He says to pastors? Hey, before you go and be a pastor, why don't you let it be seen in your home first? Before you go and worry about submitting yourself to the authority of men, why don't you submit to God's authority in your home? And I don't want anybody coming up to me afterwards and saying, but what about this situation? You have an individual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Holy Spirit's living within you, why don't you go to Him first? And sit down with this passage and read it, meditate on it, and allow Him to show you specifically how He wants you to live out that submission, wives, or that consideration, husbands. We're too quick to say, just give me the rule and I'll go do it. God is trying to develop a relationship with you where you hear His voice and you follow His leadership. So don't come up and say, but what about this or what about that? So wish I knew to say that when I was younger. Because I used to spend all my time after a message like this trying to fix everybody's individual problem. And I'd go home with a bellyache. Let me tell you something, folks. Whether you didn't realize this or not, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I used to think I was. But I'm not anymore. Never was. Let me pray for us. Father, especially in this day in which we live, and we didn't even have, a time, have time tonight to even really look at how radical what You told Peter to write to the husbands of that day was. Lord, what You told Peter to tell the husbands not only seems hard to do today, in the culture in which He was writing to them at that time, women were possessions, had nothing, they were sometimes treated like pets. They had no rights. They had, uh, the husband determined whether they lived or they died or their father could determine whether they lived or they died just by uh, saying the word. And you spoke to those men and said, treat them as equals, as co-heirs. Be considerate of them. Oh yeah, you're the stronger partner in this partnership and you could use your physical strength to get what you want, but that's not how you're to do it. And you're to elevate them. And the wives were told in that day to even though their husbands were elevating them to keep that submissive attitude, which was beautiful. And Lord, in time, we're going to see fully why you have this. And it, I think it's tied to eternity and what you've been showing the angels that we're going to find out about one day. But for now, may we be willing, and as far as it lies with us, To be obedient to your word when it comes to submitting to your design in the home. Father, I know full well that if this happens in our homes, that it will manifest itself in this world and in our churches. And Lord, I, I I just right now selfishly pray for my kids who are sitting in this room that you will give the girls husbands who understand this passage and under Your Spirit's leadership and direction, because they have a living, real relationship with You, that they would live this out way more than not. I pray for A.J. that You will give him a wife that will help him as the helpmeet to become the man that You want him to be. And Lord, You know our desire is that You come back and get us five minutes ago, if that's okay with You. But if You choose to tarry for Your purposes... We pray that what we have read tonight would not just be another thing we check off. We got through those verses. But it will make itself known in our homes. We pray this for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.